Blog Talk Radio. It's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time But my time is finally here I can feel a change in the way right now Nothing's in my way Good evening, everyone. This is Dr. Jess Online speaking with you from the Center for Bioindividualized Medicine here in southeastern Pennsylvania. And as always with my opening theme, I believe that all of you who have chronic diseases and endure them have faith of the heart and do in fact have the strength to believe that this can be defeated. And you also have strength of the soul because it takes a lot of belief and a lot of faith to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And believe me, you can reach any star. Before we begin tonight on on our lecture about leaky cells, um, I'd like to do a tribute. One of my colleagues and friends passed away this week from breast cancer. And um, I'd like to read something that I wrote about her. It'll take a minute, and I I wonder if you would indulge me um, for just a moment. My friend and colleague, Dr. Laura Bailey, passed away this week after a very long fight with breast cancer, but let me tell you something. She was a fighter. You'd never know it because of her attitude. I knew her as acquaintance for several years, but in recent times we came to know each other better. Laura was a very special person. She was an incredible mom to her children, an incredible wife to her husband, Greg, and a source of bright sunshine wherever she went. As a chiropractor, I have to tell you, she was the best. Beyond all these qualities, Laura was a healer. A healer of bodies, minds, and souls. A quality that I admired very much about Laura. Moreover, she wore life like a loose cloak. And there's a poem by Philip Doddridge that states, that states Live while you live, the epicure would say, and seize the pleasures of the present day. Live while you live, the sacred preacher cries, and give to God each moment as it flies. Lord, in my view, let both united be. I live in pleasure when I live to thee. I'm going to miss you, Laura. I'm going to pray for your family because 
and little ones without their mom is a toughie. I know you're in heaven, there's not even a question of that. You're in that special place that is reserved for souls who have given the most to others. So, I don't know that I need to pray for you, so I ask for you to pray for us. Godspeed, Laura. Thank you, everybody. Tonight, we are going to talk about why won't I heal? Maybe your cells are leaky. Yeah, we've been talking about bio-individualized medicine for quite a while here, and um, we've gone through almost every parameter of it except this one. If you have not gotten the PDF for tonight's show at the top of the, um, at the, top of the chat here, you have a link to go to. If not, you can go to <clears throat> my website and... Um, Hold on, let me see if I can get it for you. It is, oh, this is a terrible one. <laughs> it's like 0393852. We're not, we're not ready for this website just yet. But anyway, it's over here. It's on um, the blog, Dr. Jess Armine. Uh, you can click on it and get to the PDF. And uh, please do, please do, please do. Okay. So <clears throat> if we go to page two, hmm, here we go. We'll go to page two. Doesn't want to go to page two. There we go. Uh, people, have you ever wondered why maybe your cuts and bruises heal so slowly? And I, I get this often. I have a lot of people who have multiple infections, and the infections won't leave, like Lyme or, or anaplasma or whatever it happens to be, even though you've taken multiple antibiotics. And frankly, the biggest complaint, isn't complaint, but the biggest angst everybody has is, why am I still sick? Okay, you know, modern medicine, why am I still sick? So, uh, Sean Bean and I created the paradigm that looks at the whole person as an individual, and we put together a way of thinking so that we would, by intention, look at various areas that are often either not looked at or looked at in a disjointed manner. And some of these things are neurotransmitter balances, what we've spoken of, hormonal balances, mitochondrial dysfunction. We looked at the immune system, genetics or epigenetics. And the very last one we're going to talk about uh, is cell wall integrity. And um, as the saying goes, I left the best for last. So we've covered genetics when we talked about the 23andMe on December 16th and December 30th and its place in your health and how to divine what is affecting you and what is not. We talked about the mitochondria. We had a lecture on mitochondrial disease, and we spoke about mitochondria and its place in your health and the, because the mitochondria create energy for your healing, and if they're not working, you're not going to have energy and you will not heal. We spoke of neuro, neurotransmitters and how it affects your moods and behaviors. It's usually the downstream effect of some kind of problem. We talked about hormonal issues. Uh, Sean gave two lectures on and how hormones interact with the other systems. Okay, remember that the neurotransmitters, the hormones, and the immune system constantly chatter to one another. And we spoke about the immune system and how it protects your body and what can happen when this system goes awry, like autoimmune diseases, dysautonomia. This included leaky gut syndrome, which is what I'm going to use as a segue into talking about leaky cells. Um, 
how do the cell walls evolve? <laughs> okay. I'm not going to read this whole thing, but I'm going to let you know that uh, way back when in evolution, uh, there were water bubbles and there were oily bubbles. And the oily bubbles were stable so that um, metabolism and stuff could actually happen in them. A phospholipid was a good example of a common oily substance that was prevalent in the prebiotic seas. Uh, phospholipids are, control, are composed of a hydrophilic and a hydrophobic end. In other words, they're partially fat and partially water. Okay, and they possess an important characteristic for the construction of cell membranes because they can come together and form a bilayer membrane. This lipid bilayer can contain water, as it does in our bodies, like cytoplasm, and was a likely precursor to the modern, modern cell membrane. So when proteins came along and increased the integrity of it, then evolution took place, natural selection, and microorganisms grew and became more complex, and that's how multicellular organisms could be achieved because of this phospholipid bilayer. Okay, so keep thinking about that. Okay, so right there, this is the reason that we evolved, or one of the reasons. And I'm going to tell you here, nothing happens without a patent cell wall, okay? Nothing happens without a patent cell wall. And in Russian, I'm not even going to try it, okay? I think that's Spanish, okay? The next one I know is Icelandic, and the next one is Arabic, and I can't possibly try that one. But all the world agrees that no healing takes place without a patent cell wall. That's how important it is. Okay, let's go back to the gut. I, I blew up one of the uh, pictures about the good gut, and if you remember, we're looking at those uh, tight junctions that prevent the bad boys, the bacteria, toxins, dietary peptides, viruses, and parasites, okay, from getting into your body, okay, through the cell wall, okay? And remember those cells are surrounded by a membrane, that phospholipid bilayer. I must be repeating this a bunch of times for a good reason. Okay, so we're looking at the leaky gut, which we're all pretty familiar with. And remember that when, let's go to the next page, when you have leaky gut, this is page eight, this will cause immune compromise. So when those tight junctions open up, the bad boys can get through, all kinds of um, immune Upregulation occurs, the creation of T cells, the creation of B cells. We saw the Mr. T cell last week, or was it the week before? Okay, and then we have B cells which create uh, antibodies, and the overproduction of antibodies can, in fact, create a lot of inflammation and upregulate the immune system, dysregulate the immune system, and that's where you start getting lots of inflammation, oxidative stress, and this is where you get the things like dysautonomia, uh, autoimmune diseases, and so forth. Okay, on the right-hand side, I put dying cells, and I pointed to the cell membrane. Okay, because once the cell membrane gets to the point that it can't live, the cell will just simply die, and will lose its function, and in the gut will just open up more holes for the antigens or the antigenic substances to get through. Going to page nine gives you a beautiful view of a cell membrane. 
Uh, if you remember your basic biology, a cell membrane is semi-permeable, which means that it allows certain things to go in and out. Okay, but it is, if you look on the right-hand side, a phospholipid bilayer. Okay, and it has nerves, and it has uh, proteins in there, and it's got, you know, channels for protein transport, and, you know, it's a pretty... Yeah, it's a pretty complex, uh, you know, piece of material, but it protects the cytoplasm and keeps the cell patent so that your fluids don't leak out. When we were fish, we'd have to worry about it. We just took on the environment. But this phospholipid bilayer allowed us to be in the air, okay, and allowed us to evolve into multicellular and larger organisms. But this is the basis. If you go to page 10, I just kind of blew up the phospholipid bilayer and that repeated yet again, oh my God, all cell membranes are phospholipid bilayers. Is it important? Yeah, all membranes. All cell membranes on page 11, the blood-brain barrier that protects you from your brain from invaders, the neurological cells which control seizures, mood changes, your gut cells for leaky gut syndrome and immune dysregulation, your mitochondrial cell membranes which, if they're leaky, will interfere with your energy production, okay? Look at the neural cell on page 12, the very middle, okay, where you see the cutaway of the inside of the cell. That's a phospholipid bilayer surrounding it. And as complex as this particular slide is, if that body of the cell where you see the nucleus and you see the uh, membranes and so forth, if that is leaking and dying, the cell's not gonna work. It's not gonna function. In leaky gut, I think we kind of beat that one to death. I'm talking too fast again. We're only at 8.13. <laughs> okay. But the fact is that once the cells start deteriorating, okay, and it starts with a cell membrane, okay, all the bad boys can get through and we have all kinds of immune problems happening. And really, I've been trying to point out over the many weeks that many of the diagnoses slash diseases slash maladies that everybody has have a common base. Okay, a lot of times we're always talking about the gut, but it's inflammation. It's oxidative stress. Okay, this is the number one reason that can happen. And the mitochondria, oh my gosh, it's got two layers. It's got an inner and an outer layer. And if we remember talking about the mitochondria, that the electron donors have to go through that little pathway that you see, the number one, two, three, four, five, and in order for that to work, not only do the pathways have to be open and functioning, which you usually can predict from the 23andMe, okay, but that intermembrane space has to be patent because all those protons, okay, are in there, and they create, create an electrochemical gradient, positive on top, negative on the bottom, and you need that to create your energy or adenosine triphosphate. So the phospholipid bilayer is kind of important. So anybody see any correlations? Nothing will work if the cells are leaky. Not the nervous system, not the immune system, not the endocrine system, not the mitochondria, not the detox system, not nothing, not know-how. Wait a second, wasn't that um? Oh, gosh. Wizard of Oz, right? Not nothing, not know-how. What did he say? Something like that. Okay. Hope you're laughing. <laughs> okay. So I, I think I've gotten it across that a leaky cell membrane can, um, can be 
a problem. I'm going to go backwards. Uh, you, well, let's say there's good news. Uh, you know what I didn't put in here, and I'm, I'm kind of kicking myself for it now, is how can a membrane become leaky? <laughs> I'm sorry. I guess I um, had a little bit of a brain you-know-what and uh, forgot a section. So let's talk about it. How does the cells become leaky? Okay, well, cells become leaky because of inflammation. Uh, specifically, histamine will rip open cells real well. So if you're having a lot of allergic reactions, especially IgE that results in histamine, okay, how do you remember that? So when you're getting a histaminic reaction, like from seasonal allergies, what do you feel? Like your nose drips and you're coughing, you know, all that good stuff. What is that? That's the cells leaking and exuding mucus and so forth. It's not happening just in your nostrils, which it may be because of, you know, local exposure, but when you have a leaky gut syndrome or you're having a lot of food allergies, you're producing a ton of histamine that is generally ripping open the cell walls. Okay, um, any kind of toxins, heavy metals, uh, bacteria, viruses, these all can contribute to making the cells leaky. All the things we've been talking about, we generally talk about it in the genetic pathways where if you have too much inflammation or too much of anything, it blocks up certain pathways and then you don't get the result. But a more basic reason for illness is the fact that the cell walls simply get ripped open and don't get repaired. And I wonder why they don't get repaired. Hmm. Some of it is because of our poor diet. Some of it is because we can't absorb essential fatty acids. Okay, we can't absorb the things that are required to heal the cell wall. But there is good news, okay? And the good news is cell membranes can be fixed. How, you may ask, as well you may. There's one, this is one area that is usually ignored in the restoration of health of the individual. I do a lot of consultations every week and I have to tell you that what I generally see, the stone, or I should say stones that have been left unturned, are twofold. Number one, uh, who's ever treating leaky gut out there has forgotten that there is a mucus layer. And almost no one is given the proper substances to recreate mucus. And I'm not going to go into a joke from History of the World Part 1, but uh, you, everybody knows that I'm a Mel Brooks freak, but um, I don't understand. I mean, I'm, I'm forever giving people marshmallow root or, you know, slippery elm or something similar, okay, to be used as a partially soluble fiber so that you can create mucus because that's where the biota live. When you take pre probiotics, that's where the biota live. And the mucus is required to, you know, trap the bad boys, the bacteria, toxins, and so forth, so secretory IgA can bind them up. I kind of don't understand why when i forever asking people, and it's not the people, it's the healthcare providers, trust me, that, you know, have you been working on your gut? gut? Oh, yeah, I'm taking probiotics. Or uh, have they tried to fix your gut? Sure, I'm on the um, GAPS diet. That doesn't fix your gut. It reduces the amount of antigens going in, but it doesn't fix anything. Okay, those guts have been leaking for a long time. Okay, especially if you've had any kind of chronic condition, leaky gut is a given. Okay, so that's one stone that I see left unturned, which drives me a little bit batty because it's so obvious. Okay, and the other stone is doing things that will 
actually try and heal the cell walls. We all talk about fixing a leaky gut, but they're not doing anything to actually fix the phospholipid bilayer. So, gee, I wonder how we would go about doing that. Anybody want to take a wild guess? Oh, forgot, this is not a classroom. Yeah, we might use phospholipids. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, phospholipids aren't something that, you know, you find in, like, foods all the time. But um, phospholipids are, you might find in lecithin. Okay, sunflower lecithin or soy lecithin or, believe it or not, egg lecithin. Okay, they have funny names like phosphatidylcholine which I usually say the phospholipid choline because nobody can pronounce, much less spell phosphodidyl. Okay, phosphodylethanolamine, phosphodidyl inositol. Okay, these are phospholipids. Phosphodylcholine is the most important one. That's the one that heals the cell walls. And I know we have phosphodylserine and so forth. Okay, but that can be supplemented. And often we're giving people liposomal vitamin C because of the benefits of large doses of vitamin C, but liposomally, what creates the liposome is sunflower lecithin. Why do we tend to use sunflower lecithin? Because most people are not allergic to sunflower. A lot of people are allergic to egg, and many more people are allergic to soy. So generally speaking, the sunflower kind of works. Okay, it's for some people it doesn't and so forth. Okay, so we have to be a little careful. Also, you need animal fats. I know, sacrilege, okay? The vegans are going to be gunning for me. I'm going to be, have to walk out the back of the building again. I'm always having to escape people on my way out. Okay, I think that our vegetarian and vegan movement has um, generally made us healthy, but they've kind of denied us certain things that I believe are required for cellular repair. One of them are animal fats. Now, I understand that animal fats, especially if you're, not going organic can be filled with all manner of nonsense that they feed the animals. But we are carnivores. I know we're omnivores. Yes, I know. But we were, our enzymatic structure is that of a carnivore. So guess what? Okay, we kind of need animal fats. And, you know, on the next page I'll show you what kind of animal fats you can use. And you don't have to use a lot of them, but your body needs the fats to repair the cells, and in babies, the essential fatty acids, the essential fats are needed for creation of um, the neurolemma, the covering of the nerves in the brain. So uh, this tendency that I'm seeing to worry about cholesterol and, and fat content in um, children, I understand, but babies, uh, let's use a little bit of common sense, okay? The fats are necessary. Good fats, yes. Okay, but define good fats. We also need arachidonic acid. Okay, arachidonic acid has been demonized in the world today, and it's been demonized because when you use a lot of arachidonic acid, it can go through an inflammatory prostaglandin pathway, the PGE2 pathway, and create inflammation. Okay, but we need a small amount, okay, to help our cell walls heal. So because the arachidonic acid has been demonized, uh, almost no protein shakes have arachidonic acid in it, and the only way you can get your hands on it, so to speak, is to eat protein. Um, and that doesn't mean beef. It can be chicken. It can be uh, fish, that kind of stuff. Uh, eggs, I wonder, but uh, we need some arachidonic acid. So if anybody's interested in the formula, okay, you need about... Mm, what is it, one gram 
per or is it one half gram it's one half gram per pound of body fat so if you are 200 body I'm sorry body weight so if you are 200 pounds the minimum you need is 100 grams of protein there are 28 grams in an ounce so you're talking about three a little bit over three ounces a day okay and if it becomes a matter of you healing I think people even the staunchest vegans that I've had as patients will accede to a small amount of protein per day uh, in order to heal okay I know it's more sacrilege but it happens to be the truth on the next page we have page 18 boy I'm rushing through this aren't I okay we have the source of phospholipids okay phosphatylcholine and I said phosphatylethanolamine phosphatylinositol you can get this in lecithin now I want you to be careful okay there are lots of different phosphatylcholines out there and uh, there's a little thing that you need to know before you start downing you know hundreds of thousands of milligrams if you have a tendency if you are if you have a neuropsychiatric problem especially if you head towards hallucinations in other words high dopamines uh, the phosphatylcholine in high amounts can raise dopamine so it may destabilize you okay so be real careful uh, you need the you need it for cell wall repair but you have to kind of give it to your body in small doses and more frequently okay it's one of the reasons I like the liposomal vitamin C so much because very high dose vitamin C in six to eight to ten grams a day has enough um, phosphatylcholine in it to create some healing and we've had some difficulties with the floxies because of the PC phosphatylcholine but um, you know again it can be it can be managed okay so be careful when you're doing individual supplementation because um, too much of anything is not a good idea you need to balance the, the phospholipids with some of the animal fats in other words give your body good oils and good fats because that's how one heals okay uh, sources of animal fat okay you can use organic ghee which is basically butter that has had all the solids taken out you can use organic butter and believe it or not they have organic lard okay try and make it organic and you can get organic uh, butter in regular stores you don't have to go too crazy to find it uh, all it means is that uh, you remember that all toxins get stored in fat and butter is fat so <laughs> be careful what you're putting in your body and this isn't a license to eat a ton of butter a day but you know you need some and for the arachidonic acid like I said protein from fish fowl beef lamb yak if you're into yak okay um, and about one half gram per pound of body weight and you should double that for kids because they're growing um, so in conclusion okay cell membrane integrity is an in integral part of life's function nothing I repeat nothing will heal without patent cell membranes okay cell membrane integrity is relatively easy to reestablish but for some reason is generally ignored and I have to tell you that there have been a lot of patients that we start often with the leaky gut okay anybody who's gone to an alternative medicine doctor usually starts with oh let's fix up that gut uh, in our office we make sure that we attend to the cell membrane and I have to tell you a lot of things turn around in and of themselves by 
reestablishing the cell membrane. Okay, there's uh, innumerable stories. Um, one from a gentleman in Australia who was having um, uh, fainting spells and all manner of problems progressively over time. And he started with this program and started with a lot of liposomal vitamin C. And inside of a month, okay, he was making plans to go away with his family. I also had a um, 19-year-old um, head injury case that was sent to me by a local um, uh, biofeedback person who did a Q uh, EEG. And I started him on very high doses of liposomal vitamin C. And inside of a month, the EEG normalized, okay? And he was able to mentate better. You know, got through the blood-brain barrier and started healing the cells. How? Started healing the cell walls. What a concept. Okay, just FYI on page 21, um, the LDN, uh, revisiting a little bit of the low-dose naltrexone, and I'm finding out it can be pretty miraculous because I've been using it with my cat, who, as you may know, has been having chronic pancreatitis. I've been treating him with, um, with uh, low-dose naltrexone and uh, essential oils, and uh, which is interesting because he smells like uh, you could probably you know, use him to season something. And, um, and, of course, uh, digestive enzymes that are specific for, uh, for cats. And I went through the YouTube video, I'm sorry, the podcast, and a YouTube video was created. And I realized that LDN is a Band-Aid, okay? But it does so many great things that until you get to the root cause and fix that, which at the stage that people use this can be pretty daunting, uh, this LDN has gotten people out of wheelchairs, uh, has returned them their lives, and um, I've put the uh, the links again. Um, I ask you to send it out to your friends. And, you know, LDN is one of those things that if you get a doctor to prescribe it, you're talking about a dollar a day, okay? And there's so many things out there that we, uh, you know, we send people out and it's like, you know, $25 a pill or $35 a pill and or you know they get the they get certain IVs and they're $1000 a day and like who can access that but LDN can be accessed by everybody okay so give it a shot take a look okay i'm real real impressed with this stuff okay it is question and answer time okay i realize that this has been a little bit short but it is uh, only about the cell wall membrane if you'd like to ask questions, you can call in on 646-595-2277. Uh, if you have a chronic condition that has defied traditional diagnosis and you'd like to uh, do a consult with either myself or Sean or somebody like us, you can call our number, 610-449-9716. Uh, we're um, filling up really fast. Uh, I'm very, very busy, and I'm very um, grateful for the people I have the honor of treating. Uh, my email is there, okay, and Sean's email is there. And we are adding some staff. And very soon, like in the next two weeks, we're going to be able to offer uh, the nutritional intravenous uh, infusions under medical direction. And uh, that I'm looking very much forward to. And we have a caller. Caller in the 401 area code. This is Dr. Armine. How are you? Hi, good. This is Marilyn. How are you? 
Hi, Marilyn. What can I answer for you? Um, I have just been researching some stuff on PEMF uh, machines that that's good for the cell wall. Is Have you heard of any, any of that? Could you explain it to me? I'm the, um, not familiar the, with um, the... Uh... It's pulsed electromagnetic frequencies. Okay. I, I've heard and, of that, and um, it is a great adjunct to what you're doing, but if you... Uh, it helps the cell wall organize itself, as far as I remember. But what it doesn't do is provide the things the cell wall needs to uh, to repair itself. In other words, it's not going to create phospholipids. Okay. In conjunction with what you're doing, you might find better results. Okay. You might find that. Uh, it, with the use of something like this and a program of phospholipids and, and healing in, in the manner that I spoke of, you might not have to go to the higher um, or the more expensive type of protocols that are required to uh, reestablish cell membranes like the PK protocol and so forth, which can run into an awful lot of money. Uh, and not everybody, only very few people to actually, in my opinion, actually need that, okay, because... Um, you know, it's it's utilizing very, very, very strong um, phospholipid bases and, and intravenous work and so forth. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about homemade uh, lysosomal vitamin C? How do I feel about it? As long as Ben Lynch is not listening, I feel great about it. <laughs> <laughs> He's not wild Listen. about it, huh? I feel great. Well, of course, he, he manufactures it. And Ben is a good oh. friend of mine, so I'm, 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 um, I'm kidding with him. Um, liposomal vitamin C tends to be quite expensive. Uh, it's about $1 a gram. And, of course, the little bottle you get, if you're taking 6 to 10 grams a day like I'm, I prescribe, doesn't last real long. I often give people a, a treatise on how to make their own liposomal vitamin C, and it does work, but you have to always re- realize that the liposomes will last only about two weeks in the refrigerator. They are electrically okay. charged, and okay. if you, um, but believe me, you'll finish what you have, okay? Uh, there's some um, there's some argument about what else you can add to it for flavoring. There's, uh, from Young Living, there's something called Ninja Red, which is a, which is a, um, antioxidant juice some people add to it um i've seen good things with it and the fact is that even if the liposomes aren't perfect and you're absorbing 90 percent instead of 100 that beats the heck talking about the vitamin c okay that beats the heck out of the 10 or 15 percent you're getting by um by the pills or the powder okay so it's and if you're taking 10 grams in you're getting nine in well, that's wonderful compared to getting only one gram in of vitamin C, and you're getting plenty of phospholipids, whether they're in the form of um, the liposome or they're just in suspension. So you're okay. not really losing anything when you use the homemade, okay? And the only the problem with the homemade with, is... I'm sorry, go ahead. The same thing with the vitamin C, right? The stuff that's, even the stuff that's not uh, encapsulated in the liposome, the lipo... Right. Yeah, you're gonna if you if you use the formulas that we have, you're gonna get all of it into the encapsulated into the liposome. And yes, there's gonna be a little bit here and there. Okay, but the real trick with that is the pH. 
Okay, you want to get that pH around seven, seven point two, and really? that can yeah. be a little bit. Yeah, you want to use uh, sodium ascorbate, not ascorbic acid. Okay, and when you finish your three rounds with the ultrasonic cleaner, <laughs> which I always, everybody says, I always tell people, look, you have to buy an ultrasonic jewelry cleaner, and they look at me, why? I said, don't you want your jewelry <laughs> to, to shine? I mean, come on. <laughs> That's right. You know, I've said that and I've uh, made it before, but I, I didn't know there was a difference in the in the uh, in the vitamin the the ascorbic. Yeah, the ascorbic acid will give you too too acidic of yeah. of a of a uh, compound, and uh, some people have had some kidney issues with that. The sodium ascorbate is already in a neutral state, but you're still gonna have to play with the pH a little bit. That's why I, I recommend the pH strips. And here's here's the uh, here's the the skinny on how to balance the pH people. Okay, if you're making your own a liposomal vitamin C, take a, a little cup of it out and maybe put a phew, an eighth of a teaspoon of sodium bicarb, you know, a baking soda into that little cup. Mix it up real good and test the pH with a pH test strip in the the big vat and then add a little bit in, mix it up, and then you'll be able to get the pH up little by little. Okay, so you might find out that your pH is around 6, 6.2, and then by adding a little bit at a, a little bit at a time, you'll get that pH up to about 7. If you get it anywhere like 6.8, 7, 7.2, that's roughly body pH. Body pH is actually 7.4, but you get it about neutral, you're doing pretty good. Okay, and that will, um, you know, uh, abrogate any problems that you have with being too acidic or being too alkaline. takes a little bit of practice, by the way, and I do like it. And by the way, uh, uh, since we mentioned it, if you make your own uh, liposomal vitamin C, you're talking about eight cents a gram, not a dollar a gram. So most families, I have, I have a you know a family member on it at like nine or ten or eleven grams a day. Then they start giving it to everybody else. Okay, and whole families haven't been getting sick because they're being given at least six to ten grams of vitamin C a day. And guess what? Everybody likes it. Okay, or it's being forced upon them, I don't know. But they're getting healthier because they're starting to get what you should get in vitamin C, which is which is higher amounts. Low-dose vitamin C does nothing. Okay, the RDA for diet vitamin C, the present daily value is 60 milligrams. Do you know what that represents? That, right, it represents the government's estimate of how much vitamin C you need so you don't get scurvy. Okay, you need 60 milligrams a day. That's how the definitions run. The RDA, recommended daily allowance, the MDR, minimum daily requirement, or the percent DV, percent daily value, they change it around once in a while, is based on the minimum amount of vitamins you need so you don't get a disease. How much B1 do you get do you need so you don't get beriberi? How much vitamin C do you need so you don't get scurvy? Okay, it's not what you need in this particularly polluted environment. It's what you need so you don't get a disease. So, you know, what, you, what do most people need vitamin C-wise? About 6,000 milligrams a day. And you can't take that much or else you'll be in the bathroom all day. That's exactly true because if you're only absorbing, if you're taking it by pill and you're only absorbing, let's say, well, I'll be generous, 25% of it, the rest of it's sitting in your colon. And once it hits your lower colon, it kind of acts as a hydrophilic agent and sucks in water and 
then you're going to the bathroom. And if you're you not, you're going to have an accident. Huh? Right. right. Do you have the, uh, the lysosomal seed recipe anywhere on your site? or? No, or? but you can email me and ask for it. I'll be happy to send it to you. Great. Thank and that is one thing. My my new site's going to be up hopefully in a couple of days. That'll be one of the things on there as soon as we get uh, certain problems worked out. And they're not problems. They're just, you know, bumps in the road. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Appreciate it. You're most welcome. Okay, does anybody else have any other questions that they'd like to ask? Okay, we have plenty of time. And I would really like to ask answer questions about this uh, rather what seems to be simplistic subject, but um, again, nobody uh, nobody pays attention to it. If you guys don't call me, I'm going to start telling jokes. I might even change accents. Okay. <laughs> Guess not, huh? Okay. Uh, We've talked about all parameters of bioindividualized medicine. This, the reason that I went about doing this over the months was to help empower my patients, empower you, my listeners, okay, and my patients to realize that you are not your disease. You're not a floxy, okay? You're a person who's been injured by fluoroquinolones but you're not a floxy. It's not forever. Okay, you're not a fibromyalgia patient. Okay, you're not. You don't have fibromyalgia. There's no such thing. Fibromyalgia is not a diagnostic entity. It's not a diagnosis. All it is is a collection of symptoms. You're not a chronic fatiguer. You're not what they say you are. You have inflammation. You have oxidative stress, and what needs to happen is a healthcare provider needs to look at you from different points of view and look at you very holistically. Holistic does not mean I'm going to take a dead chicken and swing it over your head or bring out the crystals or do a dance or any of the woo-woo stuff. Holistic medicine or integrative medicine or functional medicine, whatever permutation of the word you want, should be a healthcare provider offering you the best of traditional and non-traditional medicine. Okay, but that's not often what happens. In allopathic, in other words, traditional medicine, we, we often run into the specialist. Okay, the specialist specializes in what he or she specializes in, and that's kind of it. Well, you know something, that's not a bad deal, because I keep telling people, don't expect your gynecologist to be a family physician. Don't expect your endocrinologist to be an alternative medicine physician. Do not ask them to do what they don't do, okay? If you have a, you know, something really weird, okay, that's within their parameters, believe me, they're going to do very well with it. The only problem with the whole specialization thing, which started in the 70s, okay, is that we've lost the generalists. We lost the family doctors. Not the family medicine doctors we have now. We, lo- we lost the old general practitioners who knew you really, really well, who knew your family, and when he or she sent you to a specialist, specialist didn't even talk to you. Specialist examined you and said, I'll call your doctor. Okay, <laughs> that's exactly what he or she did. And then your doctor called you in and said, okay, this is what we have to do. Okay. Somebody ran your case, somebody you could go to and say, okay, what's going on here? You know, somebody who would give you the bad news or give you the good news and give it to you straight. 
okay, somebody who really knew what he was talking about. And guess what? There weren't a whole lot of lab tests, so they learned how to look at your body and look at you and say, okay, this is what's going on. Okay, how many people have had normal thyroid tests but have every symptom of hypothyroidism? Okay, you're cold. You can't lose, can't lose weight. You're losing your hair, but the tests are normal. Okay, so they send you off, and when you end up at the psychiatrist, because now you're having depression, okay, because of the thyroid, nobody thinks about the fact that you thought you might be subclinically hypothyroid. Okay, um, the in the 1970s, uh, time when I was training. Uh, they gave you these things called little brown spirals, which were books that made you follow algorithms. Okay, and it was pretty cool when you didn't know what you're doing. I mean, you just follow this little line, and you, you know, oh, oh, okay, that's great, and I'll tell you what to give, and yo, it's great. But of course, that went up to PDAs, and now they're they're walking around with these little computers in their pockets. Okay, but those algorithms were morphed into standards of care. Okay, what is a standard of care? A standard of care is a set of things that if you don't follow it, you've committed malpractice. So here you are in a hospital and you're, you have to follow these algorithms. You're not allowed to think anymore, okay? Because if you go outside the algorithms and something happens, okay, they're going to throw you to the sharks. In other words, you're going to lose your license and you might lose your, you know, livelihood and so forth. Okay, what we need is generalists again. I like to call myself a specialized generalist. Okay, and one of the ways that we're reintroducing this is with bioindividualized medicine because each person as an individual needs to be looked at as an individual and there are no protocols. Protocols are a four-letter word in this office. Okay, and when we looked at what are the main things we should ask healthcare providers to concentrate on, that's how we came up with the neurotransmitter, the hormonal, the immune system, the epigenetics, the mitochondria, and the cell wall integrity, making physicians look at it by intention. When you look at it by intention, you're going to fix what you find wrong. And um, so specialists are great. Okay, and in alternative medicine, I have to tell you, and I'm not being uh, cynical, uh, people who say that they do functional medicine, you have to be a little bit careful, okay, because a lot of alternative medicine guys uh, do protocols, okay, they may do the Cowden protocol, they may do this protocol, that protocol, okay, and um, I'm sorry, just like I've told you guys before that if all you have is a hammer, Everything looks like a nail. So if you go to somebody who practices a protocol, they're going to try and shove you into that protocol. And we all remember how I feel about Sherlock Holmes, and he always said that it's a capital mistake to twist theories to suit facts. I'm sorry, to twist facts to suit theories than it is to twist theories to suit facts. So you go to somebody who what they treat is X, you're going to be shoved into that treatment. Okay, what we need are generalists, people who know a lot about everything, who are eclectic, who can look at the whole person and by intention look at, this, look at the systems and say, okay, what's wrong? How did it get this way? Okay, and you can always tell you're on the right track because somebody's going to take a really long history. 
personally take a long history. Now, you, you can fill out papers, but, you know, if you go through several people by the time you see the doctor and all he does is look at the paper and say, hmm, okay, this is what we're going to do. Okay, it's time for you to get up and slip out the back, Jack. Okay, a good physician, you're not paying for a PA. You're not paying for, you know, a um, non-trained individual. And I'm not saying PAs are non-trained. I don't get that impression. Okay, you're paying for that specialist, that, that doctor to sit down with you and utilize all of his or her experience in the process of diagnosing you, and you should demand that. So over these past months, what I've tried to do is give you guys information, ammunition, okay, so that, because you already have the chutzpah, you already have the perseverance to go after, you know, the people who have been treating you poorly. What you've lacked is knowledge, okay, and I hope, hope I gave you a lot of it, okay. Um, we're going to continue. We're going to be talking about lots of different things in the future, okay, but Remember to look at the bioindividualized medicine paradigm. This is how you can start looking at a person as an individual, not by looking at only one system, but looking at all the systems together, the major ones, the ones that create your energy, the ones that run your biochemical processes, the immune hormone and neurotransmitter system, major. And of course, last but not least, the integrity of the cell wall. So you have somebody who doesn't want to get better. You're almost never wrong by treating the cell wall. You're almost never wrong. It'd be nice if you could treat what's ripping open the cell wall too. But a lot of times that's been, you know, ongoing treatment. And the reason the person doesn't want to heal is because the cell continues to be leaky. Okay, remember we talked about root cause and downstream effect? Okay, the root cause can be Lyme, but the Lyme does something to the damages the person's body. And that produces certain symptoms. So you use all kinds of antibiotics and you kill the bug, kill the bug, kill the bug, kill the bug. Okay? And then the person has something go on where they get a little bit of imbalance. And they get the same symptoms as if they had the Lyme because that's where the damage is. But it's not the Lyme. Okay? It's because no one has fixed what the Lyme did to the body. These days... Okay, uh, like Sean works with a, with a great Lyme literate doctor. That doctor sends people to Sean to, in fact, get them healthier, fix their cell walls, balance their neurotransmitters, balance their hormones before they even start the Lyme treatment. And I understand that their outcomes are getting better and better and better because people are handling the treatment better. I wonder what, kind, what effect that would have with cancer I wonder what effect that would have with a lot of other things if we looked at what the root cause did to the body, fixed that, as well as went after the root cause. And remember about epigenetics. Epigenetics is guidance, okay? Um, as much as you'd like to say it, there's no way of turning on or turning off a gene. I, I know people will argue with me about that. But guess what? Okay. You can unblock those pathways. You can see which pathways are possibly going to be compromised. And you can, you know, predict what that might do. That's the whole idea of looking at the epigenetics. People who are taking three to $500 worth of supplements a month to specifically treat certain polymorphisms are, in my humble opinion, 
wasting their money because you were like that beforehand. All you have to do is get at the reason why those pathways crashed, and they will rebuild themselves. What started me along this particular road was the knowledge from some Floxies that some people resolved on their own. You know, as they took care of themselves, those biochemical pathways rebuilt themselves, and it took five years. That was the average. And my goal was to bring it down to five months. Okay? So this is how it all started. Okay? And that's how I got so crazy. Okay, somebody asked me, uh, what do people have... What do people that have histamine issues do with liposomal vitamin C? Can lipovitamin C not have the same reaction issues as regular vitamin C due to the oxalates in vitamin C? Uh, in my opinion, the uh, liposomal vitamin C gets absorbed completely and oxalates aren't as much of an issue as when you take um, powdered vitamin C. A lot of times um, when you have histamine issues, you have to do a combined uh, program of, uh, number one, going after the reason for the histamine issues, let's say food allergies and so forth, and you want to look at the conjugation or the metabolism of uh, histamine, which may involve using the DAO or diamine oxidase enzyme. Okay, and I haven't had too many people who've had problems with oxidates with the liposomal vitamin C. If that's a concern, then the other, um, the other option would be intravenous vitamin C. Okay, which is um, pretty big on the radar these days. Okay, and if you're going to get uh, intravenous vitamin C, you should be looking for 50 grams as a minimum and um, at least twice a week, maybe 100 grams twice a week. Okay, that's where you're going to see healing take place, plus several other um, substances in, in the back. Uh, but there are specialists, people who do that day in and day out that um, would better advise you for that. Does anybody else have any more questions? We have about a whole five minutes left. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. Okay, I'll wait another minute. Anyway, I was going to tell a joke, but um, sometimes I don't know how my jokes are received because I'm looking at a computer screen. Okay, I know you guys are hanging out out there, but um, I will tell you that our uh, our shows have been getting wider coverage, okay, uh, we're typically getting into five and 600 uh, views per show, and that's going up and up and up. So we're doing something right, and people are learning. And remember that you should expect your healthcare providers to learn. Okay, there's no excuse. All right, the information is there, and the help is there. I mean, I mentor doctors all the time. Okay, and people can look at this and. You know, even no matter where you are in the world, no matter where you are in the country, if you're not getting the service, leave. Go somewhere else. Okay? Seek out somebody. And when you finally find somebody that, you know, has treated you well and has cured you and so forth, you go back to the other doctor and shove it in their face. Okay? And say, why don't you know this? Okay? Most doctors will want to sit there and go, okay, let me learn it. Okay, it used to be genetics were nothing. Now we get more requests every day to, you think you could teach me this stuff? Okay, teach me what it means, you know, how it impacts my patients. Anyway. Okay, I don't see any more calls. I don't see any more questions. So I will bid you a good night and thank you for your attention. And always remember that
here at the uh, Center of Bioindividualized Medicine, we're working really, really hard, okay, because we believe that you do have strength of the soul and you do have strength of the heart and you have faith and you've been walking this road and we're walking it with you, but we're trying to give, we're trying to find answers through genetics and through integrative medicine and it's working. Many people are getting better, okay? It's hard work. It's a lot of work, but we're proud to do it with you. So I will see you all next week. Don't know what I'm going to be talking about next week, but I usually figure that out as time goes on. Have a good weekend, people. A weekend? No, it's Monday. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Take care. Getting from there to here. It's been a long time. But my time is finally here. I can feel the change in the way right now. Nothing's in my way. And I'm not gonna hold it down no more. No, they're not gonna hold me down Cause I've got faith of the heart Good night, people. Have a good week.